are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. It's about showing up every single day. It's about giving all of yourself. It's about evaluating your work. It's about innovating practice to change lives. Every single week, let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the truest and shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. So today's episode is an important one. We are going to look at standardized single word speech tests. And we're going to answer this question. Is it a yay or is it a may? How valuable are single word standardized speech tests when it comes to evaluating speech sound disorders? This is a very important episode and this is a topic really worth diving into. So I'm happy you're here. Stick around. You're not going to be disappointed. So before we start talking about the latest research from JSLHR on single word speech tests, I want to talk about our research because our research has found Fire beware. When it comes to single word speech tests, you are going to find a lot of variability depending on which test you take off the shelf. So we compared the two perhaps most widely used tests out there, the GIFTA-3 and the CAP-2. And we had 19 diverse pre-scores with speech sound disorders. On the CAP-2, all 19 were evaluated and had less than one standard deviation score of having a speech sound disorder based on their score. Now, this is very important. Those same 19 children, when they took the test of the GIFTA-3, 40% of them scored within normal limits. So they were, they were less than a standard deviation less. So they would not qualify for services had I given these children the gift of three instead of the cap two. Now I know what you're thinking, Kelly, there's the order effects. I controlled for that. We randomly assigned. So half of them were first given the cap two and the other half were first given the gift of three. So it was the same child as a control against themselves, which is a really strong way of looking at it because children in themselves are their perfect control. It's the exact same child. So when the exact same child takes these two tests, we found 40% of this group of 19 children would qualify on the CAP-2 and 40% of them would not qualify on the gift of three. 
So that is a huge number. That is like flipping a coin to decipher whether or not a child would qualify from services. The stakes are much too high to depend on a score. So what is the problem here? We have a lack of reliability amongst tests. You're going to get different results and different scores depending on the tests you give. So that means that the therapist is going to have to evaluate more than a test score to determine whether or not a child is eligible. So what is the, the issue here with the test score? The test score is solely based on the number of errors, the quantity of errors. Now we know that it's not the quantity of errors that matters, but the quality of errors. So for instance, if you're taking the CAP2 and you can't produce the L or the R sound as a preschooler, you're going to have 19 errors already. Now, this is important because if you're deleting sounds within words or if you're deleting syllables 19 times, you're going to have 19 errors. So all errors are equal. Now, you and I know all ears aren't equal. If the child's deleting syllables and deleting sounds, that's a much, much bigger deal and should weigh much more than a distortion of an L or an R or an S. However, the numbers are all equal. A more significant error, such as a deletion, or a more significant error, such as a preschooler, not able to produce P, B, T, D, N, M, those sounds that universally develop first, those stops. If they're not able to produce those sounds and they're producing the L and R, those sounds count the same as the L, the R, the TH, and the S. They're not the same. If we see a preschooler who can't produce P, B, T, D, N, and M, this is a child we're going to want to see for service. If we have a preschooler who has difficulties with some THs or distortions of some Ss or some of the Ls or some of the Rs, this is a child that we're not going to want to see for therapy. But that when you look at the standard, standardized single word test, the numbers are all the same. Those errors have the same weight. But you and I being speech language pathologists, when we look at those errors, we give much more weight to the deletions. We give much more weight to the earlier sounds not being developed. So when we look at these, we would say, well, this is kind of worth two errors in my book. This is a much bigger deal, it's a deletion. This is worth two errors in my book. This is an atypical error in which the child is producing a much more difficult sound for an easier one. If the child is saying reb for a spider web, an R for a W, that's a red flag for us. This child is breaking the universals of speech development all over the world. There's something that's different. There's something that's causing that neurologically or motorically or from an auditory perception di uh, difference. This child is showing us some kind of neurodivergence or a motorical divergence that we're going to have to pay attention to. This is a child that we're going to want to pick up for speech therapy. So 
When it comes to speech sound disorders, we know that the quality of the error matters much more than the quantity of the error. However, the speech sound disorder tests that are standardized on single word tests are based on quantity of errors. And all errors are given equal value, which you and I know is never the case. So that said, what can we say about single word speech sound disorders tests? Are they of value or are they not of value? Well, we know that they are of value actually. And the reason for that is because the latest research that's in JSLHR, the first one is from November, 2021. I give you the hot off the press stuff that I wanna cover, says that it's very, very reliable. So single word test speech scores are reliable measurements that reliably show us who has a typical development and who has a, a delayed speech, a speech delay or disordered speech development. And the reason it's reliable is because it's a phonetically based measure in which the child has to produce all of the sounds across different positions within the words. And what that tells us is that gives us a lot of information to work with. So it's more reliable than a connected speech sample. And let me explain why. If a child's producing a connected, spontaneous speech sample, the child could avoid words that the child has difficulty saying. Also, when you're giving a connected speech sample, like a story retell to a preschooler, they might omit the key words that you're looking for them saying. So you might be looking for the word fishing and telling a story about two boys going fishing, and the child instead tells you a story about two boys going to the park and having a picnic. And we wanted to make it clear and salient, no, the word is fishing. But in these story retells, the saliency is lost in the story. So we always think that connected speech is better and more reliable because it is communication after all than a single word standardized speech score test. But what the single word standardized speech test gives us, gives us is it gives us the information we need. When children speak in spontaneous speech, they're going to omit the words we're looking for or they're gonna avoid the words we're looking for. So that makes it actually more reliable because we're going to see it all. So that is the benefit of using a single word standardized speech test is that we get to see all of the sounds in the language and we get to see them in various positions and in various phonetic contexts. You're not going to get that in a connected speech sample. So the research here from Li Li Ye and Chia Chu Lu, and this is from November 2021, JSLHR, they found that it was more reliable using the connected, the, the single, excuse me, the single word uh, speech, the single word score than it was using connected speech sample was more reliable in determining this is a child with speech sound disorder versus this is a child to typical development. And it's for these two reasons. One, they're going to avoid words that are difficult to say. And two, they're going to omit words that you're going to need to hear to evaluate their speech. 
So that was one test that says, hey, these single word speech measurements, they bring some reliability to speech testing that connected speech doesn't give us. Now, the second, this is even hotter off the press. This is one of my favorite researchers. I just adore this person. I, I email her all the time on ResearchGate, and she's uh, so available with all of the questions I have for her. Her name is Kieran Chinoski. So Kieran Chinoski and her colleagues at Harvard are looking at, in this study, this is a big study. It's 30 children with CAS, with childhood apraxia of speech, 30 that's a huge number in the field of childhood apraxia speech. And she's looking at preschool to school-age children. And what she found is the single word speech, it's kind of a tongue twister. Every time I say it, I apologize, by the way. The single word standardized speech tests are highly reliable. And this is when we look at the valid. They're, they're highly reliable with what people perceive them to be in terms of intelligibility. So the head judges judge how intelligible is this child that you're listening to? What is the level of severity? Is it, are they very severely impaired speech? Is it mildly impaired? Is it moderately impaired? On this scale, how severe would you perceive this child's speech to be? And what she's found, she found the single word speech tests, those standardized tests were very reliable to what people rated with their ear as a rating of intelligibility. So that says that these tests are valid, that these single word speech, at least for children with childhood apraxia speech, these single word standardized speech tests, that's a tongue twister for you, are very valid to what people hear in conversational speeches as far as intelligibility is concerned. Yes, it's a good rating of the level of severity of the child's impairment. So those are two tests that say, hey, standardized speech tests are not that bad after all. There's great value in them. A, they're more reliable than connected speech, what we found in November 2021 in the JSLH article. And two, they're very valid. They really do match up to what people hear in their ear and the number of errors they have on the test. So this is great research that says there is great value in standardized single word test. Now let's look at how we can use that in our practice. So first of all, we discussed that when we make these big decisions, such as whether or not this child is eligible for therapy, we're only going to want to use that number, that, that speech sound disorder number, that score is one measurement. And the real answer is going to lie in the errors themselves. We have to look at the errors that the child is making, and we have to determine what are the phonological processes based on these errors? What are the errors like? Are they developmental or are they atypical in which the child is producing harder sounds for easier ones? And also, is the child deleting sounds? Is the child deleting syllables? Because if they are deleting sounds and syllables, this is really going to have a direct impact on their language and their literacy skills. This is something we really, really care about and we really want to address. Or is this child simply having some R distortions and not even on all of the R's? So not all errors are created equal. 
we always have to take a closer look. But secondly, from the latest research, we also realize that there's great benefit. If you give a single word, I'm going to say this word again, it is a tongue twister, a single word standardized speech test, you're going to find that you can give that test in 15 minutes. That means a lot when you have a caseload like myself of about 50 children in your caseload, and you're also having to give a a speech test, a language test, a language sample, and all of that in a 45-minute evaluation period. The idea that you can get every sound in the language in different positions in the word, in different phonetic contexts within a 15-minute period, there's obvious value in that. But secondly, look at the value in that the number of errors that the child has does correlate to what the child sounds like. So it is valid and it is reliable. So we don't want to trash it. We definitely want to use it. Where I find great use in single word standardized speech test is in my ongoing evaluation of progress. So a lot of therapists, I would say, spend too much therapy time testing. Therapy time should be reserved for therapy time. You only have 30 to 60 minutes a week. You want to use that time wisely, and you want to use that time on having the child working at their challenge point. We talk about this all the time, that 80% accuracy level that challenges the child the highest level that they can go at, not below that, not above that, then you want to wait a solid eight weeks. Why eight weeks? Because James Law and his colleagues in the Cochrane meta-analysis in the early 2000s found it took eight weeks for gains in the speech therapy to generalize, to show up. It's kind of like the body. You want to give eight weeks to see if there's weight loss occurring, if there's a change in the body as far as the intervention plan is concerned. You're going to want to give some time for the effects to generalize. As well, so we're looking now at the brain. When it comes to the brain, we want to give some time for our intervention to generalize and manifest itself in communication. So eight weeks. So what I do is I work at the challenge point every minute I can within our speech therapy sessions. Then every eight weeks, I give the single word, the same, by the way, same single word speech sound disorder test. Why do I give the same test? Because there's so much variability amongst tests. So I could have a child and I could give them the, for instance, the CAP2, I mean, the gift of three, excuse me, the gift of three in the beginning of my, my intervention. And then I give them the CAP2 later. And it shows that the child scores more poorly. And it's not due to lack of progress. It's due to variability within the test. I want to test. I want to keep everything the same. If I keep everything the same, then I can measure the progress. That's the rule of research. I tell graduate students the same thing I tell preschoolers. If we're going to do research, we need to keep everything the same except for one thing. So we want to use the same speech sound disorder test every eight weeks to determine the gains that the child is making. 
We don't want to assess the child on what we're teaching in therapy. Of course, the child's going to do better on what we're teaching in therapy. It's a single skill that the child has practiced repeatedly with you. So when you ask the child to perform that skill in the same setting, and it's the same words, and it's the same sound that you've been practicing, the child should do better at it. That would be expected. But does that indicate overall gains in communication? which is what we're looking for. So when we take out the standardized speech test, that is not what we're working on in therapy. That's, as we saw in the research, that is an indicator of how well is the child speaking at the end of the day? How clearly can you understand the child? It is valid. So you can, you can use all of your time on therapy. And then every eight weeks, you can gauge the gains using the speech sound disorder test. So that's what I like to do. So at the end of the day, what can we say about speech sound disorder tests? Are they a yay or are they a may? Well, I would have to say that at the end of the day, they are a yay. But when it comes to making important decisions, such as these high stakes, does this child qualify for services or does this child not? They're only one piece of the puzzle. So if you want to learn more about speech sound disorders, I do, I would tell you that my book, Speech Sound Disorders Comprehensive Evaluation and Treatment, is excellent when it comes to the evaluation. And that's because we only look at the speech sound disorder test as a small part of the evaluation when it comes to deciding whether or not this child is going to receive services and what are the best goals for this child? What is the best plan for treatment? So I highly encourage you to get this book. You will not be disappointed. So that's it for today. I want you to roll up your sleeves, rolling mine up, And I want you to go ahead and change the world and make it a better place, one child at a time.